by the way. Mo- oh. uh, okay, well, we're live. So the, the poll was DPS shit talk. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on Cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. And as you probably guessed from that intro, Noel got set up but spotted it before it was too well, too late, too late to say the thing that you were probably already going to say. Uh, with us this week, we have Ethan Frey, the, uh, what would you say, founder, creator, uh, primary... Father, father. Father, father, father of Cosmosm. Inventor, whatever, but yeah, father of <laughs> It's a baby. Uh, who we're we're going to hopefully not expose our ignorance too much. Well, we'll we'll talk about some of the the motivation behind that and some of the broader uh, sort of cosmos topics because Ethan also is a bit of an OG in the cosmos space as well. Um, so I'm sure there are, there are any number of topics and null. There are some topics in the spreadsheet in case you get lost. So if you have any questions for Ethan, drop them in the chat and we'll uh, we'll pick them up as we go along as well as we as we find spots for them. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. So anyway, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for joining us, Ethan. Um, I, we'll, we'll kick it straight off with like probably the uh, the most obvious question, which is like, how did you actually get started in crypto in the first place? Like, What was your what was your in? Uh, all right, so I'll take the short story here. My in was basically, <laughs> I was uh, not so turned on early crypto. I thought it was cool tech. But when someone was telling me you had programmable money to get any rules you wanted, and you could make money, like, it was basically governance. It was basically you have community governance issued money. That's how he made it. So, you know, rather than the bankers making money, you could have, like, you know, whoever runs a childcare makes a of money, stuff like that. And I had all kinds of crazy rules of money. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That's I mean, money's program. That concept just like red pilled me. You can totally reinvent society. Because like, you know, Bitcoin's cool, it's electronic money, but like really just changing the rules of money and be money this malleable programmable material. Um, that's what blew my mind. That was 2014. That was before Ethereum, right? This stuff was not possible. But uh, I got the idea and just kind of led me to find out Tendermint and kind of got in the cosmos because I felt that was like a way of building this. Try to build this stuff in 2000. 1617. Right. And you were you you actually worked at you worked at Tendermint right back in the day as well. Definitely. I was like besides Jay and Ethan Buckman, I was a first dev working there. There's some marketing people before that. Peng was there also early on designing. Brian Queen started with me, I think, at the same time, January 2017. It was a interesting ride. Suddenly I'd like went from a normal job to being paid with like, you know. Let's pay you Bitcoin because you don't have a bank account. I'm <laughs> like, what? <laughs> huh? Ethan, yeah. how'd you find how'd you find Tendermint like back then? Like, what what was what what kind of drew you to it, and and how did you even get involved initially? So, I mean, the guy that read for me, this guy uh, Daniel, who was Coiner anyway, go on that one. He was trying to imagine something way beyond Tendermint, actually, kind of beyond blockchain, even post blockchain, something like a holochain, maybe even. But uh, he was throwing me stuff. He kept throwing me links to various projects. And one of the Ethereum, I looked at Ethereum, was interesting. The other one that got my eye was Ares Industries. So I don't know if any of you are really old school here, but in 2015, there's something called Ares Industries where Ethan Buckman used to work. Um, it turned into Monax later on. And I was trying to make legal contracts. And that was what Ethan Buckman was. And they were using like Tenement 0.1 or something. Um, and Ethan Buckman later left them 
in 2016 to join Jake Juan on Tenement to actually build Tenement out. And so I was like looking at that stuff and then I was trying to figure out, they taught myself Go to get involved in it, but that time Tenement was their own product. And um, yeah, yeah, I started messing around with it. It just seemed the right way of doing it. I tried to write Solidity, I looked at Solidity, I'm like, this is impossible, how do you test it? How do you know it's working? How do you, there's no bugs? And there's like the bugs galore everywhere, right? Like how do you build solid testable software with this? And uh, then I looked at this like, oh, it's Go. I can write solid testable software in Go. Like that actually like makes sense. I would actually trust me something complex there. Um, I think that's proven. It was a little slow. I thought the Cosmos Decay would launch a little faster than it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely the idea of um, of actually building solid software, these complex systems you want to build, you cannot build them slowly. Really, it's so hard. It's too complex. So um, I have a question. So. So starting out, right, so you've decided that, um, you know, you want to start working on this project. Like, it seems like a pretty big task to undertake. So, um, like, how did you get started? How did you plan it and how did you get started in it? And did you put together a team or did you just start hacking away on it yourself? You mean Cosmos or Cosmosm? Sorry, Cosmosm, yeah. Yeah, Cosmosm, we had a hackathon. So we got a bunch of people that came together. It was like, Five CTOs came together around some drinking beers. So what the fuck are you do? Let's build awesome contracts. That's fun. And we did. I didn't sleep at all. Uh, I closed my eyes for two hours, maybe an hour. Lots and lots of clue mate. And, uh, and somehow ended up with this working. By the Sunday night, Sunday evening. Wow. Um, I just have time. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty crazy. And so after that, I'm like, dude, they say Grant's the winning team. Dev Grant's the winning team, right? To work on this stuff. So I uh, you know, went and applied the grant. I said, hey, guys. Let's all work on part-time. We have other jobs. Let's work on part-time. And uh, no one else wanted to, really. They also said they're too busy. So I said, fuck it. I'll just quit my job and work on this. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <man. laughs> I don't know. I, I kept a contracting gig aside for Regen for the first like few months. I was like doing that part-time and doing Regen part-time. Um, and then by like January 1st, 2020, I said, I, I, have, like, yeah, I, don't know. I have like a month pay left on this grant. I'm just going to quit all my jobs work only on this thing. It's great. Um, at that point, Simon jumped in a little bit. He just quit his job as well. I said, I'll work for a few months for free. I think it's a cool project. So Simon Warta jumped in. The two of us are just coding this alone. And basically unfunded. Then the you know pandemic happened and you know no one was around. And no one's like, ICF was in meltdown mode the whole time. Like I was like, okay, hey, I have the grants running out. People like it. The prototype's working. People are excited about it. Like, you know, starting to build a community. Can you give me like a larger grant to build it out more? And they're like, sorry, you're too down on the list. We have a meltdown. Jane, Ethan, Buckman, and AIB is collapsing. Uh, you know, we don't care about you, basically. Like, <laughs> come back in six months, right? Which they yeah. did. Six months later, I came back, and they actually gave me some money, which is cool. Us the money to, to build this thing um, for the rest of 2020. But it was kind of hard to hear that when you're like, dude, I'm broke. I'm burning my credit cards down, and I'm building this cool thing. Everything is the future of Cosmos. is awesome. But, like, I can't get any cash for it. So that was, like, a mad dash of, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't give up then, honestly. I don't know. I must have been like just stubborn or crazy or something. So I guess now the like the the landscape has changed vastly, especially with um with uh getting grants for, for your work now, right? Like um since those days that you've had uh obviously newer networks like Juno and, and a lot of other networks come on that are using Cosmosm um and sort of dependent on its development and i imagine they're like you know tipping into the pool to to help that keep moving along as well but they've got the um the interchain foundation now too right which which uh helps out in that regard yeah well the icf is the interchain foundation icf 
wasn't the wait, guys wait, wait, really... sorry. No, in, into into wasm, sorry, not into chain. Into yeah, wasm. into wasm doesn't exist. So all I got now we're getting drama. Now it's on drama side. So yeah, inner chain was really helping out in the beginning. Um, then we hit like uh, got T Gray gave us money, and uh, then we got some from Terra even Osmosis. Now Juno, as various users of this have given us you know significant uh, chunks. Um, and I'm definitely very appreciative of all these grants. So it's kind of interesting going around, knocking doors, uh, and seeing, <laughs> seeing where the grant can come from this six months. Uh, but there's definitely doors open. So it's really friendly. I've been feel it really, since we've got established, it's still picking up since late last year. It's definitely like there's lots of opportunities and lots of people are very, very happy to keep us working. Um, but so Interwasm DAO doesn't exist. Interwasm doesn't, it was an idea we launched a year ago. So there's like this idea of building it out. And so we had uh, a coon who's worked with us went off to spin it into DAO and had people that had like pledged, vocally pledged this stuff. They're going to build DAO, DAO, DAO to do it. And I don't know what happened, honestly. Uh, the idea is out there to, to fund these grants and stuff like that. Not for us as much as Confio, but for like a lot of other people building cool tooling out there. A lot, I think of what Juno ended up doing, like Juno hat, Juno and, uh, and stuff like that. So I think, I don't know. He ended up basically working on Juno projects and then I think just never continued with this. I think he just hacked Juno and the, the Juno dev grants was enough for him and other than else. So, yeah, so kind it's of, just, it's a meme. Until Austin's so a just, meme. <laughs> so, just a plug, right? Talking about um, grants and, uh, and you know, development and cool projects, right? So, obviously, like you say, uh, Cosmosm was born out of a hackathon, right? So, Anyone out there listening with a cool idea, just know that there is good money available in Hack Juno. So, if you're if you want to develop something awesome and um, you know you want to get it funded, there's there's various funding uh, opportunities in Juno. And if you've already built something awesome, there's Hack Juno to get a reward for that and keep you going. So, just a just a, a little plug. Um, because you know the whole landscape on funding has changed, and there's a lot of it available around the place. So um, definitely know that. So sorry, had to throw that in there. <laughs> no, it's good. It's an important thing. I mean, the whole landscape has totally changed. I think this is kind of crazy because it was like back in 2019 when I did the hackathon. It was the Cosmos Hub. It was the Cosmos Hub. That was it, right? That was it, and yeah. there was a bunch of projects that kind of waiting for it to launch, waiting for it to come out there. And there were, I think, a few came out that year and then they're all sitting there in their own little silos because ibc wasn't working and it was only really uh you know in being of 2021 when ibc came out that the conference really took life so all for a while it was like it was just a hub and then a few other people doing their things never really took off and then when the ibc came out that was a whole like explosion so that was like a year ago a year and a half ago the, the cause actually could scale they actually said okay now i'm not just building a little chain nowhere i'm building this whole concept so until then it was really only the icf that was finding anything like anything, anything, and the community, Cosmos community pool, and out like so many things. It's amazing to see like how many different chains of their own dev grants, their own programs, their own community pools. Um, and I think, I mean, Juno seems the most just focused on Cosmos and cool stuff. So I just threw out that Dow Dow for me is a really cool project that you guys somehow finance because it's like I wish to build this and never could find grants to build governance stuff ever. It's like something that is needed, but no one ever pays for. Like everyone pays for DeFi shit. Or like faster d databases, or like I don't know some some ledger signing app. But like governance is like always like super essential foundational stuff, but like always in the bottom of everyone's list to pay for. So I'm like cool that like the Juno community actually came together and paid for that. It's pretty awesome. I love that. Like to that end, they've 
they've more or less taken, you know, the the early success of Juno and then just kept driving home more development around, you know, things that they think are going to um, make a, a difference in the future. And especially, um, you know, with Jake and Dow Dow, like he's always driving that. Um, so you, you said like back in the back in the start, it was you and Simon uh, grinding away. I'm curious, was that like, did you guys meet up every day and, and talk about ideas and go through it? Or was it that like an internet relationship that you guys were grinding through that through GitHub? Um, no, it was the internet. We knew each other. Like, I met him a few times. He worked at another company for that together remotely. We met up like, I don't know, four or five times in person maybe for that. And um, I think we met in in November of 20, 2019. Actually, last time I saw him before the whole pandemic craziness started. And then it was like, it was cool we talked about it. He liked the idea of Cosmos. I'm hacking on it maybe in a few months. Like, I'll have some free time. I'm quitting my job soon. Like, let's let's do this together. I'd like to work on it a little bit. And um, yeah, and then and they did it. And basically, it's all just GitHub. Yeah, yeah, really. I don't know. We, we didn't have, we didn't have Discord or dude, I don't even know how to communicate. We didn't have Slack back in the day. Maybe it was Discord. I'm not even sure how we DM'd each other. It was just maybe it was straight up GitHub. I don't even know if we did any like sort of messaging except for GitHub, honestly. Like, I'm, uh, I'm wondering if people yeah. still use uh, Slack. Is that something that people still use? Yes. Yeah. As I've okay. discovered in the last two weeks, yes. I've never <laughs> used it in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe yeah. ARC too. That's what Mud said. Yeah, it's probably right. <laughs> so, Ethan, you say like everything kind of kicked off about um, a year, year and a half ago, right? Which is when heavy sort of development started in the whole Cosmos ecosystem. I think like probably. That's a so you might have the same story as this, you super. That um, that's about the time that I uh, found the space as well. Is that around when? And maybe you too, Shields. I think the fray might have been around a little bit before that, or maybe even found it at the same time. Are we all in the same boat here. We all come in about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah, about Feb, Feb, or a little bit earlier, twenty twenty. Yeah, I Wait, think I landed in March. One, sorry. March twenty one is when I landed. I think that's about whenever I got in as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was. I think it was definitely COVID times. I remember that is kind of where I started. But I, I don't think I started validating on Osmosis until twenty one. I think right after, right after that went, right after that Genesis. I think that was the first one I was validating on. What? You went straight to Osmosis, really? Yeah, and kicked out <laughs> before wow, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> how, how do you guys think, like? Um, do you think that we would have had the same sort of uh, acceleration in in development and um, and you know interest if it wasn't for COVID? Do you think that sort of kicked the ball along in terms of crypto and uh, people's interest having nothing else to do? A little bit, but I think in Cosmos, IBC is also like not to be underestimated. So i I've held uh, I, I held Atom from like. 2019 maybe end of 2019 and you could see like the interest and the volume like really go up after ibc happened you know um but but it did actually like it like a lot of crypto it dipped off at the beginning of the pandemic and then the price went up because people were sitting around at home messing around with crypto right that's right so yeah 2020 was interesting actually the whole that was like this whole DeFi summer Forever in this DeFi two zero in Ethereum. And that really, I think for me, it was like we're sitting around. And it was kind of the doldrums of I'm tired of uh, 
what was it? Adam sitting around three, four, five dollars. Uh, Adam for a long time, up and down, like three and five. It hit six. You're like, oh yeah, it's high. Oh, down mm-hmm. again. And then once that hit, that summer actually kind of like hit eight and stayed over eight. I was like excited. I was like over eight. Um, it's like actually money flowing in. I think that whole like last part of 2020 was like this side effect of Ethereum kickoff. There's kind of this like all the people coming to crypto, Ethereum's taking off, the pandemic comes at home, playing with crypto, it's coming, coming up. And this that was this wave. It went up like eight or 10 based on that wave. And I think it was IBC there that really just like threw it another year. It was good, yeah. good timing for it. Good timing for IBC. I, definitely yeah because like was, i was yeah. going back through some notebooks recently i was throwing <laughs> some stuff out and i found a journal entry from just before covid um when i saw the last time i saw jake before covid and i wrote something like jake won't shut up about cosmos but i i bought some atom a while ago maybe that'll shut him up or something like that i had this quite pithy like line uh, in my notebook <laughs> And so, like, I have this really distinct, like, just really like top of my head because I saw it a few days ago. I was like, "Oh, so that's what, that's how long I've been holding Atom." <laughs> to be honest, does so Jake Hartel Hartnell get you in there? Yeah, yeah, because they were he. I think it was him and Shane were running a validator yeah. on the hub, right? Mm-hmm. Um, They're like Stargaze too. That I think he started that. Yeah, yeah, it was around. Mm-hmm. It was around that sort of time. Um, he started saying to anybody who was who knew him, "Oh, you should run a validator on 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 Cosmos Hub." And I looked into it and I was like, "Okay, yeah, just just like grab a bunch of servers and spend tens of thousands of dollars to buy in or something." And I was like, you know, I was I think it was that I think it was before I started contracting properly. And I was just like, "This is a lot of work and a lot of money. Uh, I'm going to let the people that know." what they're doing here continue to do what they're doing um, how much fair. has it changed in yeah. life <laughs> i was gonna say didn't you just do the same thing like two weeks ago so <laughs> isn't so that exactly the, is it you could restate the same exact thing for another project i think that just started a couple weeks ago yeah but that's just i but the thing that's all of technology isn't it like mm-hmm. you 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 hang around in the in any space like as an engineer or as a note as a node operator in our case at the moment or as an ops engineer or anything like that and you just you're on a constant cycle of maybe a year to two years where every two years you're back in the same boat feeling like mm-hmm. a noob like what the fuck is all this stuff i don't understand anything and just needing to confront your own inadequacies again that uh that that is that is the the mental health conundrum of working in technology. I think. Uh, I but think it's that's more of a front end thing. What's front-end that? Front end engineers, front end engineers have to deal with that. Back end engineers, not quite as much. We have like a like a ten year turnover point. I think. I don't know. Do you want to write me a Do you want to write me a startup using Ruby on Rails? <laughs> all right, I'll take it. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I mean, but, but even even in like what what you know because i I, i've done a lot of fp which i I don't fucking shut up about i know but like you know when i first started working in in closure modern list on the jvm 2014 you're like jvm language fine cool that's still a thing people do you want to build a closure project now you'd be like it's closure script node or nothing you'd just be like jvm are you fucking kidding me i'll just write it in rust instead or 
do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like even backend languages have changed quite a bit in the last few years. I think Rust is a big driver for that. Like Rust the ergonomics. You know? It's, Rust is a funny thing. You love it or hate it. Like, when you, people see it and you smash your head against it and you run away. Once you get over that hump, it's like, it's such an amazing language. Um, I was the first, sent, dude, the first time I tried playing with it, I was like, this is hard. I fight the compiler. And I sat down and actually, like, I had to, like, I did tutorials, but I hadn't really stuck it until, like, with Awesome Awesome, like me learning Rust as well. Um, so that was a fun experience. <laughs> like, like not easy one. But like, it was funny. After six months, it was like, I really felt like it became natural. Like, it wasn't just I could code it, but it became natural. And then, like, the compiler's my friend. All the compilers do is help me write better, stronger, faster code. Just, just makes everything better. It's not hitting me and yelling at me and telling me my homework's done bad. It's just helping me. It's training me. So at that point, it was like, suddenly, like, yeah. There's like no turning back. Like it's like the most amazing language because it just like keeps you doing the right thing. It tells you what you should be doing. It helps you. So yeah, I don't know. And it's like at the end, it's super, super compact and concise and, and efficient. So yeah. So um, I've got, since we're kind of, we're heading back in the direction of Cosmwasm now by the sound of things that so we're talking about Rust. Um, I've got a practical point. So Ethan, you, you obviously have done a lot more thinking about this uh, certainly than I have. Um, I'm kind of curious. I, I, I've wondered this quite a bit. Like, what is it that drives? Because um, obviously, you know, look at look at Aptos, um, Polkadot, uh, obviously Ethereum itself, obviously Cosmwasm. All of these are using Wasm as their target, right, for the VM. What is it about uh, Wasm as a target and like as a as a runtime that is so? that makes it so prevalent is it just the availability of it is it just the ergonomics of it because again i guess like naively you take a step back into sort of um i guess programming language theory and start to think about asts and all that sort of stuff and you go like oh right is this the is this the best way of doing things rather than because that's that's um jaquan's big thing with nolan uh right is 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 being able to actually represent the code in a in a non-obfuscated binary as, as i understand it right so there are some people who are kind of uh you know whatever whatever you may think of the no lang project the no land no lang whatever the, the, the yeah. no yeah, yeah. the gnomes lang um there are but, but but what i mean is like it it's so much more common to see smart contracts and that sort of some, uh, stuff with wasm as the target like for, for somebody who's not written Cosmwasm. Why do you why is it that Wasm is always the the the, the kind of target for these smart contracts? Um, well I mean there's two ways of doing it. There's basically you have the choice of doing a VM where you compile any language to the VM representation. Uh, VM is basically a virtual CPU, a virtual machine, right? So it's some target you can pile something down to. And like EVM or the JVM, your favorite one over there. And um, the other approach is interpreting it. So what Gnolang does interprets it. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, I looked at the project. There's some really cool ideas he has about like how map storage and actually storing whole pointer sequences and auto-merkalizing memory. Um, it's doing some stuff kind of like the active records from Ruby and stuff like that because it's all interpreted language, um, which is could do more powerful stuff. But for me, you're kind of embedding the whole interpreter runtime and your programming language into one one blob it's kind of complex and then you have to write the whole thing and maintain the whole thing right um tezos did that one as well they have a language you can pilot you can run the tezos language right i don't think they have they don't vm for it just have a language interpreter i think 
a lot of these ones write their languages of grow lang and something like that was coming out. All these other ones invent their own language and interpret for it. This was like the first thing they ever did. Um, except for Ethereum um, was the one that made a VM. And when Ethereum came out, they looked at basically, we want a solid virtual machine to run on, right? And they looked at, they have all their hashing things. They want to do their hashing stuff and their, their rules. At the time, if you wanted to use a drop-in VM to use, it was a JVM. If you look at that thing, it comes to this huge history. Not just like, but like it's a whole runtime. Like the judgment virtual machine is tied to Java language and, or like, well, derivatives Kotlin is nicer actually, or, you know, closure or something. But like, it's also tied to entire system calls and everything like that. You can't just embed it somewhere else. Um, the EVM said, hey, we have to build our own virtual machine. And if, around that time, this WASM started coming out of uh, Mozilla and stuff like that, WebAssembly, and it came into a virtual machine. The virtual machine is super simple. Rather than make a more complex one, take the opposite approach of JVM, which was like, let's make a simple one. It's just a simple CPU, an old school CPU and memory, nothing else. You can't read files. You can't do the network. You can't print your screen. You can't uh, have a GPU. Uh, you can't do anything really, right? So you can't even sleep five seconds. You can't launch a process. You can't do anything. All you can do is take the input and run a function and come out. And the inputs can only be integers, right? You can't even take strings in. Take integers and you map everything else. So it's really, really simple. And what that meant is you could add, but then you could add customizations to it. So you could customize it, right? So it's basically a super simple thing trained down and customized to. And so anything you want to do with it, you can extend it to do, add your custom blockchain stuff to it, custom modules, extension points, here entry points, here custom calls to send messages, to query people, right? To check my values. But everything else is done for you. So if you think about it, a lot of different teams work to make really efficient Wasm virtual machines. Not just the, the browsers, but also Wasm Time and Wasmer and a bunch and, and GoWagon and a bunch of other ones, implementations of this very simple spec to a faster and faster ones. So you have a whole a series of competition to build the best possible virtual machine, the fastest one, most secure one, right? And then you have many different languages that exist and are really supported in mainstream languages that compile down to this virtual machine. So C and C++, the first ones, Rust came up very shortly as amazing support. There's also some support for other things. Like I know uh, Go is working, TinyGo works a bit on that one. Um, there are a bunch of esoteric languages also going to this thing like VLang, compiles down to it, and NIM, I think. Um, so there's a few, you have a choice. Basically, you can take a handful of existing full-fledged languages that other people build. You don't build your own language like a Solidity. You have another existing ecosystem language. You have a virtual machine that a lot of different teams are maintaining versions of, make them faster and faster, right? And then you just function on how do you plug this virtual machine into a blockchain? That saves all that fucking work for you. Don't build a language, the tooling around a language, an IDE plugin for language, uh, try to write your own virtual machine specification, optimize the virtual machine specification, work in edge cases on it, uh, run GIT JIT compilers, just in time compilers, et cetera, et cetera. And like at this point, water runs fast. Like, don't even worry about it. not like Solidity, like trying to figure out how to deal with the gas costs. It's because like it just runs so fast because you have like the speed of Rust. This should be a highly optimized uh, uh, JIT compiler on the virtual machine. So basically, you just get it for free. So everyone says, hey, we got all this amazing superpower for free. Let's just plug into a blockchain and worry about like APIs we expose on this system rather than building this hard system. You know, we're not computer right. science students, not grad students. Because I guess even if you had, uh, from a PLT perspective, like another, um, 
if everybody okay so basically like if everybody wasn't so allergic to parentheses the the obvious solution would be a lisp because every single lisp is self-embedded right it's it you know the we've all seen SICP where he comes up with the with the fez on his head and says i'm going to show you the i'm going to show you where the magic happens you know like the the kind of metacircular compiler nature of all kind of lisp programs where the ast blah 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 homoiaconistian stuff but the thing with that is that even if you did that, it's not going to be an optimized runtime, is it? Right. Whereas Wasm, like you say, the performance has been squeezed out at this point. Like it's used by a lot of people for 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 performant programs, and there's additional optimizations you can do in the language that you're, you know, on its way down to that compile target, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lisp. <laughs> I think everyone learns a Lisp. <laughs> I learned that in school and then kind of ran it killed functional programming for me it took about 10 years or 50 years to write functional programming after that I think so, when you said earlier you were like oh, people either love or hate Rust I was like no no people love or hate Lisp that's the one <laughs> anybody can learn Rust you just bash your head against it a little bit and the types will make sense it's not Haskell it's not that bad but Lisp is one of those that you either experience it and you're like this is what I've been missing in programming or you're like I fucking hate it um yeah. and yeah it's i don't know it's it's an addictive drug if, if you're into it um uh, haskell so, i tried haskell and it made sense as long as you're doing math as soon as i said okay i want to read input for the user i want to write data to the database i want to uh talk to the network oh that's complex esoteric stuff you can't do that just do math yeah. <laughs> no input just oh but just like you're very program this math for you it's great but but at the same time as soon as you get past the as soon as you get past, you know, the people shit posting the, oh, what is a monad? It's just a, what is it, a monoid in the category of endofunctors? What's the problem? You know, kind of shit posting uh, and all of that. And you go, uh, and the burrito thing as well, which is the single most unhelpful thing that another programmer has ever said to me. Oh, what's the problem? It's just like a burrito. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. That's not going to fucking help me implement this thing this week. Um, but, the, the idea that you have composable boxes of logic that are mathematically provable, I don't have to have a maths degree to believe that the monad proof holds, right? So that that is really powerful. But like you say, do I should I have to worry about that to do I.O.? Probably not. But then the flip side of that is in Rust, you do have to use a monad to do I.O., right? You, using a result type or a wrapped result type. But nobody knows it's a monad because that's not how rust puts it to you so it's, it's again it's like it's that ergonomic that extra bit they've thought about the language they've gone like should we just give everybody a result type and not freak people out or shall we tell them it's a monad it's like no 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 just give them an option and result and let's just move on with our lives and let's give them an npm style build system that's nice and modern and not shit like oh, the haskell nice. build system um yeah, like the 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 first time I ever used a Haskell compiler, and it was like, this isn't going to compile, mate. But I think the code you meant to write was this. I can just like fix that for you. You know, because this is long before GitHub Copilot. I was like, holy shit! And then when I saw that with Rust and yeah, Rust and Clippy and that sort of stuff, I was like, yes, this is great. This is sick. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I like I I quite like the computer telling me you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. I've done some working out. I think here's the solution. It's wonderful. Perfect. The way says you're wrong, but no, the message that sucks. Error. 
But like when it says you're wrong, this is why you're wrong, and here's what you should do, and here's a link to an article explains it if you understand it more. Like I'm like, wow, thank you, master. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Teach me, teach me, student. <laughs> yeah, so the um before you got into before you sort of got into crypto, Ethan, what were you? Uh, I kind of I think I remember the answer to this, but what 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 kind of software were you working on building? So like, what's your what's your kind of background in work and that? Is it kind of low level stuff like? uh like drivers and stuff or is it something else it was web stuff a bunch of products so i mean um and all kinds of stuff through the knots i'd say a bunch of random jobs the i worked at ableton live i don't know if you ever worked at that dj stuff CFCF i fucking love ableton oh my god it's it was like the only decent the tech job best. i could find in berlin at the time it was an awesome place I fucking do you know what actually the other thing that I got the the time where I wrote in my notebook all Jake would do is talk about Cosmos the other thing that I got him to do that time I saw him was download a copy of Ableton Live because he was complaining yeah. he was complaining about the ergonomics of Logic I think and was it was doing some demos for some stuff and I was just like just fucking download Ableton dude just download Ableton it will change your life. <laughs> And it's a did. fucking starter yeah, drug to buy all kinds of MIDI controllers. <laughs> like that's really what it is. <laughs> I needed a keyboard. No, I needed a little pad, a drum pad. I have a little like the boxes. There's so many different boxes there. They kept giving us like samples of stuff there. Oh my god, it was cool. It was cool. Cool place. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's music related. Gotcha. I was doing that. I was working at Ableton, but then I was also end up doing other more like um back end. It's back end for uh web stuff. There's a bunch of back end web stuff after that. The basic order bird and yeah, basically an iPhone app that ordered for restaurants, ordering stuff, whatever. But we had big databases, thousands of restaurant data in there and stuff like that. And API services, it's doing all the back end APIs in it. Um and then it was really scaling. It was actually funny before I got a blockchain, I was like trying to figure out how to handle conflicts between like multiple people editing the same data at the same time and you wanted to not lock it without locking. So you got into those weird concepts of that, like CRDTs before the blockchain. So it's like getting nerding out on like message queues and CRDTs and- Oh, CRDTs. Fucking love CRDTs. Fucking love CRDTs. But how do you allow two people to edit the same thing at the same time without crashing and breaking it? So like, yeah. Anyway, it was it was interesting, an interesting thing. And I was kind of in that rabbit hole anyway of like trying to figure out how much scalable backend systems in this case it's before I got in there. So like I remember looking somehow at a raft consensus algorithm for some other reason. I have no idea why before I even knew about Tendermint. And when I found Tendermint, I'm like, okay, this is like, you know, okay, this is a much more advanced version. But like, yeah, so I was kind of getting, I got somehow into that weird, weird loophole of backend engineer getting too much into there into their theory yeah i guess that makes what well, i mean were you were you guys running like uh, kafka or cassandra or things like that to to manage all that data because that's i think that's a quite a common way into distributed systems for back-end engineers is having to fuck around with zookeeper to keep the yeah. kafka clusters organized that's certainly what it was for me like schultz he's nodding i feel like that might be the same uh oh yeah i worked with that very heavily when i was at acorns yeah, this is 10 years ago. We didn't actually use Kafka. I was kind of like trying to uh, to get more stuff in there and use, yeah, I was even looking at various systems back there. We were stuck in a giant Mongo cluster, Postgres Mongo clusters and RabbitMQ messaging. Mongo, that, that dates yeah. it. Mongo's web scale, sh- right? <laughs> Dude, I just sharded the hell of that thing. Like, there's some limits. It's like, at, 
uh, like we only support sharding up to like 400 gigabytes, 500 gigabytes. Beyond that limit, we're not sure it's possible to shard it. And they kept pushing it back and they kept growing. And we're like, dude, we're like 450 gigabytes. We got to shard now. <laughs> like, they're not going to let shard ever again. <laughs> so anyway, that was a, uh, that was interesting one. So yeah, lots of, I would, I would say lots of tech debt in that company. Yeah. Um, I think everybody has a story where they're like, uh, you should never do this, but equally that is what I, that day, that's how, that's what I went to work and was paid to do. And I'm not proud of it, but we got to the end of the day. Uh, I think the worst, the worst thing I can remember doing was we had this, we had this massive spark cluster, but it was paid for like Microsoft were trying to get us to use a managed spark service. And we had unlimited disk space but quite bound cpu space <laughs> uh, you can see where this is going got you yeah it turned out that because it was backed by like a zero blob or whatever you could just make a massive fake swap uh disk over like all of the azure storage that we had in our account which was fucking lots and then just run basically just run all the different things and just have them dip into the 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 swap and when they ran out of space when they ran out of um of ram or compute and uh that's how we managed to get a, a, a multiple of what we were supposed to be using on the slightly above free tier uh job done like a multi a multi kind of terabyte join basically um across some databases and they were just like, oh, we're seeing a lot of usage from your disks today. You're shuffling around lots of data. And you were like, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I got a little note before we started this chat. I'm happy to just get here, geeking out. But I got some note that we should not talk about dev stuff. It's a drama per second and some other top points we should talk about, I think, there. Well, I, I did actually want to talk about some more WASM stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so... Look, I've got a burning question for myself, right? And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask it. It's always been uh, on my mind um, a potential uh, problem about blockchain performance with validator hardware. Is that like something that, as uh, the was well, as Wasm becomes more and more used, um, actually processing all of the, that contract um, usage inside VMs? in between the blocks like how how does that relationship work and like as there's more load on the blockchain how does that affect validator performance and and like minimum min hardware specs and that type of stuff so are we going to get like dragged down by the lowest common denominator on on the blockchain or is it not really of concern it just won't get there and miss blocks or yeah, how's it work i mean only is dragged down if like 70% of the people are fast enough the other low ones miss blocks they get screwed. So like you kind of get dragged in the masses, but like five five bad validators of, of crappy hardware just get kicked off basically because they'd be jailed because they can't run the blocks anymore. Happened as most, I think, too. As soon as you know. They, like if you're running in four gigs of RAM, you'll run fine for a while and then you just crash. Sometimes it actually comes in, you just can't handle it. So the crappy ones just fall off basically. And all the mid-level, basically you settle around the mid-level, right? So as long as 70, you know, the bottom 20% are can you drop off, but if you're down to like, you know, the bottom 30%, maybe 40%, it's like that 30 percentile is what keeps it uh, locked down to that one. Um, the, and I looked at this, I timed this stuff. We did a lot, a lot of work in performance. And so Wasm is not that much slower than native code running. Like CPU time, talking about. Uses a lot more memory. Use a lot more memory, actually. Uh, but not much for CPU time. But it is still a storage and all the read writes of storage with disk. 
And so um, I looked at stuff and basically that's just, if you want to go fast in the blockchain, it's just speed the storage. Just, just, that's, a, that's not just, but like, yeah, if you speed the storage access, um, you have good disks, you want good SSDs, but like speed up storage, reading and writing out, we go faster. And that's, and that's, that's IAVL, right? Because that's also got its own, its own, um, yeah. I wanted to refactor that in 2017. As February 2017, I was trying to refactor that and realize how slow it was. I said, we should rewrite this thing, not rewrite it. It wasn't bad code. It was just like, I didn't clean it up and like optimize it and all these things. And I got pulled off that project. So now it's, now it's actually priority. It's fine. It was too early then. All these things I wanted to do back in 2017 are still too early. And they're actually probably due 2019. And they're kind of getting around to doing them these days. Uh, they're trying to build a new one, SMT. I don't know. Who will do it? It's mostly trying to tune up IVL. There are alternatives out there. I don't really know what's going on. No one's really working on that that much, I think. So, um, it's, I guess it is pretty... It, it, it's off the end of quite of quite hard and into very hard, some of that stuff. Yeah. You have to really low-level people. I mean... Yeah. And so they're all doing other stuff. So the problem here is basically we have infrastructure for this product. And... Like, well, everyone's sitting around there, like, and Adam was like, you know, nothing's really going on until IVC came on. It's like, there's all this money in infrastructure. And a lot of people, oh, we have money, money, money. We're going to go slow pace, no rush. And then the money comes in. And like last year, it's like, okay, money, build, build, build. Now it's time for infrastructure. Every dev that's skilled is building, right? Everything that has the skills is building product, 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 product. And there's no time for infrastructure. Now everything, well, the infrastructure should be last two years. We need it now. So we don't have, no one's building infrastructure. And we can apparent the limits of the infrastructure we have, right? Because it was actually more urgent than thought. So um, it's a weird situation. Now we're in the bear market. So hopefully some of these devs build the infrastructure we need and get ready. So, you know, six months a year from now, we'll actually have seat how the infrastructure we need. Um, so, that's, so that's a little bit on to dev onboarding and that sort of stuff as well, which uh, we've got another question on here, which I'm going to segue into, which is... Hang on, hang in on. The... Sorry, no. <laughs> I'm still not done. <laughs> Okay. Validator onboarding in a minute. So related to the performance, um, Ethan, I was wondering, uh, so this in certain um, environments now uh, for certain applications, like there's a bit of a race for faster blocks. Um, so, you know, we're getting down to like the half second block range in some um, networks. For networks that use Cosmosm, um, is like how will that affect the uh like lowering uh, well, speeding up block speeds um so there's like more more blocks per minute is there going to be a point where there's just not enough time um to process contracts in between actually minting blocks and if if so does that just mean that all of the the cosmosm transactions just don't make it into blocks so how no how it just that... slows down you have to make a block so you have to make a block and then you have to run the block and then you can't make another block till you run that block Tenement works that way. Tenement works that needs to finish. If you make a block X, then it has to run that one. And the result of running it is actually part of making block X plus one. Right? Okay, so you, you have to finish the uh, yes. the cause. You have to finish running it before you can start the X block. Um, right. I've but tuned down. I've played around local local nodes. You tune it down, and I'm running twenty uh, what one quarter second blocks on local node. One node. It's running contracts. They're running. I tune the consensus down to like I think two hundred millisecond pauses and it's running every 250 300 milliseconds is popping a block out there with contracts ibc transactions it runs um i think some of you have you have a bunch of small blocks it's fine rather than one big block right so it's, the execution time is not any different the main time but, is actually running those blocks is a lot of p2p stuff 
I, I think that what Null's getting at is that that's by turning down the IOTA, um, uh, not the IOTA. Is that the, the, it's, it's yeah it's, it's by tuning the commit timeouts it's, and, and right timeouts, it's by yeah. it's by tuning that configuration to to bring the block time down but i think a lot of chains are bringing the timeout time down on a per validator basis to speed up the blocks and i think what null's getting at is that if you are bringing down block time using the timeout then isn't there a chance that you'll end up with higher gas or slower execution like larger things are potentially just not going to make it in a block as regularly, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that's, I think it's a bad decision there, honestly. I think there's just one, and there are a bunch of designs, honestly. Like, I I think the proper design, and I was pushing this, I built this back in 2018. It's another, my other SDK. Uh, so I built like between, I built the Cosmos SDK, by the way, in 2017, like 06, if you look at like, if you look at me and Cosmos SDK, one of the big contributors was really like that summer of 2017. Um, and they took off, they built on it. Um, and then I got, went off into my own SDK, which I thought was better. Um, and that had uh, things like, um, like protobuf types back in 2018 and a JavaScript client that could actually sign messages without using some other Go medium stuff. And uh, multi-sig kind of DAO, basically the beginning of DAO DAO was kind of in there, at least, uh, you know, group contracts, um, ORMs, all these features in there was nice. One thing we did in there is called Weave. Um, and one thing we did in there was also work on this uh, no empty blocks, which is a really cool thing, which is adaptive block timing. So you can tune your system so uh, it will have a, a minimum block time of five, of half a second. But if no transactions come in, it skips it. So if so, so it blocks, tries, are, tries blocks, to make, are, blocks are lazy, basically. It tries to make you tune it. It should work like every. Every second, or let's say every, every one second, you try to make a block. But if there's no tra- no changes in that block, then just skip it and wait. And then say, well, at least every five minutes you make a block, right? So at least one every five minutes comes out there. Um, but if there's if there are transactions, you'll make every second comes a block. And there's a pause and maybe seven seconds, and then another few seconds, a few blocks come out, and then a pause. So, and so can be adaptive. I was, I was talking it's to someone block. about this the other day. Uh, that same concept of like variable block times, and. Yeah. The, the issue I had in my head is actually for inflationary chains is the, the minting because you would have to then vary. It, it, like, it would be really... Yeah, this is really PS. Basically, they built a tenement a while ago and the entire SDK development has killed this whole idea. First of all, um, the way they store things, they always write something every block. So there's no empty blocks ever. Effectively, they change state every block. So you need a blocks that don't change state make it work because they write stuff every block so pos stores lots of writes every block um the second thing is um so you need epic like epic payments if you have epic rewards being dumped then you could do it um the other point is they measure everything a number of blocks not in time that's historical because back in the day like in 2019 there's no guarantees 18 on tendermint that your block time is actually real trustable and you can play with it so um in they got that in there like in 2019 or 2020 that, that the block time is guaranteed. Basically, Byzantine fault tolerant block times. So at this point, honestly, there's no reason to give out a reward per height, per block. We should do it per hour or per day or something. Um, if you look at T-grade, they do that. We just do it per time. We do it per time, not per block. So there, there are like a lot of complexities in using time-based things in 
in blockchain though, right? Mm, you can't use a real time, but the block time. So block time is trustable, just like height is trustable. There's always going up. There's a lot of rules on what block time can do. So you can't use a current time. What, what time is it now? Because uh, my computer, your computer are different and not just different time zones, but they're actually, you know, might have off by a few seconds or milliseconds. But someone might run that same blockchain five years later and the time then is five years different than it is now. By the time the block was minted, when you create a block, you put a time in that, on that block, which must increase every time. And two thirds of the validators must agree that's a valid time within like a few seconds. So you can shift it a little bit. If you're playing per second, you can play with it a little bit. Validators can shift things around and play a few seconds. Um, but you can't really push it much. You can't like shift it for an hour ahead, something like that. It doesn't matter what you try. Unless you own, unless you fork the chain, basically. Unless you have enough to fork the chain, you can't do that. Yeah, so so minting would have to completely change for it to work. Otherwise, people would just like if if you're if you're um, actual if you kept going per block for your um, emission, and you wanted to like say like you were saying have if there's no transactions, then only do a block like every five minutes or something. Then people would just game it and smash it with bullshit transactions just to keep of the blocks coming. So they keep getting their rewards coming. So. Um, but it's all it's all doable. I'm not saying it's all of this is doable, right? Like yeah. so, um, it's it's been done. The technology is there. It's design of the POS system, and so I'll just show a few things here right now. So I think the POS system was an interesting thing. It was done in a hack, and if you you hear about the whole collapse of AIB, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, or did you miss that drama oh, for a second? So <laughs> they basically say it was a chaos, death march, polarization. Uh, and so stuff was going on. Basically, there's a bunch of people hacking away and they got something working. And POS in Cosmos is stable. The implementation is stable, not the design. I think the design is actually quite nice. The implementation is stable, I think, largely because it's been tested so heavily and it's been like fuzzed in production, you know? So it's stable. Um, but I don't think it is the best implementation possible. And it's so hard to change. It's like, not, I've looked at code, it's like, it's scary because you can't really understand it. We'll have to change it. But it works. So the liquid staking module has taken them like a year and a half of a lot of really top devs to build this thing because they can't touch this module, right? So I think it's time to actually have a different module. So like Tigger, I put it out, we should build our own own module of our own staking module, own distribution module, own governance modules, using actually Cosmos and contracts for everything. So it's all built in Cosmos and contracts. Um, so it's pretty powerful. Ethan, we had a question yeah. actually. So I'll just pick you up on there from Rama who said, when will we get a WASM SDK? or WASM smart contracts as modules. So I was going to say to Rama, let's get Ethan to talk about T-grade. So now you're talking about it. Um, can you explain a little bit about how that works um, for those that maybe haven't been following T-grade or T-WASM? Cool. Yeah, T-grade basically has, um, have you talk about product here? So uh, T-grade is, basically we add hooks so modules can call in to privileged things. You have privileged modules and you cl click in begin block, end block, control validators, adjust consensus parameters, these various things that modules can do that contracts can't do. You can promote contracts to be privileged, or, right? We have system modules. So after that point, you have to set up mod Go code, they set these modules up, lie them up there. Then you have a, a, a validator module which just sets a validator set every block, and you or, or not. You have a uh, staking module, um, and you have, it can get, begin block things so it can automatically pay you back. By the time you claim it, it is checked every begin block who's who's out to pay out and pay out people, their rewards. 
Um, and so they can hug in the begin block and block. You have a governance voting modules so the validators can vote and actually set up an X upgrade call. It's called an X upgrade to set the chain upgrade. They can change 10 percent parameters. So you can do all of it. We just wrote that as extra bindings, custom message bindings, basically. And it works the rest of the way inside of um, your own custom message bindings. Otherwise, the normal custom awesome contracts. So I think right. it's really powerful. And one thing I also mentioned out, there's a bug right now, actually, that turned out someone tried to withdraw, I guess, zero. I mean, check the zero. And then they tried to send a zero claim in the and begin block. And that caused some sort of, you know, error, which you just caught a bank. So that blocked everything else. But now no one can claim. I think it's still out live now. It happened a few days ago. Um, like two days ago. But the same day, within finding it, within, that was yesterday, actually, within like an hour, uh, we identified it. Within another two hours, someone had written a new code to do it, um, to fix it on a contract. And you recompile a new contract. And now what you do, you upload the contract, I just have to do a vote. So at that point, you don't have to start the blockchain or anything. You can write the contract, upload a contract, and then the validators can just have a normal vote, like a DAO-DAO vote, right? To swap these, swap the modules. Hey, do a migration from the old one to the new one. So you don't actually have to restart the chain for almost anything. You can adjust the core levels of consensus just by doing a, a contract migration. I mean, quote, unquote, just because you actually need to have the validators that has to vote on it and a gov contract for it, right? So it's a very important vote. Um, but yeah, you can you can do that stuff. You have that right privileges, and that's all. Then I think, and the governance we've seen DAO governance versus native governance. I think is pretty powerful. So I'd love to actually put some more DAO stuff there. We've own like it's not DAO. We've own like kind of similar DAO ecosystem there. That is really cool. That's that's pretty killer, actually. That that particular thing, um, the fact that you can upgrade modules without having to you know, have a, have an upgrade with everybody and everybody has to do the upgrade is like just through change, swapping out contracts is that's pretty killer. I have to say. That's where where 90% of the fuck ups happen (laughs) during upgrades, right? Like case in point the other day, old mate has double signed during a a fucked up upgrade. Oh, actually, no, it was just, (laughs) was sorry. That's wrong. It was just during uh, business as usual, right? And uh, there was a, a problem which resulted in us a, a halt, which needed to get restarted. And But they did have to upgrade the binaries, which then resulted in some database issues, which then resulted in loss of state, I'm assuming, um, from the, the signing state, which resulted in a double sign. So um, once again, a non-malicious double sign, but a double sign all the same. Uh, so I think they've had an upgrade. This is secret, by the way. They've had an upgrade to like, um, well, they're voting on an upgrade now to restore the validator and the and the slash. But um, just interesting that 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 type of system can then be in place to just for most upgrades, just walk right past all that stuff, and then you know you so, vote on it, and it's done. So I'm aware we've got about five minutes left with our allotted hour with Ethan. So uh, as a kind well, of Pushing pushing things along as a kind of towards a wrap up, maybe. So um, before we push things along to the wrap up, um, the fray, can you just so everybody knows in the audience, can you actually tell them the the format? Uh, well, okay, yes, it's somewhat <laughs> somewhat takes that. So we're we're experimenting with a new format where we're going to keep it to an hour with our guests. We're not doing any news or anything like that at the top of the show, and we're going to have less structured stuff after we've talked to guests because. 
we need to be more polite with our guest time and stay on topic, which is hopefully what me and Nal have been doing with the questions we've had during this talk and by only interrupting each other and not our guests. Um, but, but we might we might want to just give maybe an extra five minutes for Ethan to actually talk about wind because it's pretty important for him. So that is also true. Um, <clears throat> but so on on just on the cosmos more generally, Ethan, like uh, well, and, and I suppose mainly cosmism really in this context. Um, you know what do you what do you think the biggest challenges like facing the cosmos are? Um, so like going forward, like where do you see the ecosystem going, and what? What is Cosmwasm's role within that? So I think Cosm, Cosmos, Cosmwasm, Cosmos are coming together more and more, right? Like it was a few chains, and now like I think most of the major chains now have Cosmwasm, a variety of it. The Hub and Evos don't, but I think if you look at the next five or six different important chains, I mean, you look at Osmosis, Juno, Injective, Secret, um, they're all in it. Persistence rolls out. I, I don't I keep seeing more purple rolling out Cosmosm on there. So I think there are non-Cosmosm chains out there, but I think a large number of the important chains are Cosmosm. So like, um, it's a subset, but I think it's an important subset, right? And they're both moving together. So um, I see Cosmosm innovation. A lot of ways you see a lot of innovation happening there, especially IBC layer, faster than other chains, other non-Cosmosm chains. But I think a lot of the non-Cosmosm chains can really go for stability things. Things are well-defined problems. Right? If you know a problem is well-defined, it'll be the same problem in a year. It's a great thing for Go modules. If it's changing every three months, it's a better thing for Cosm Awesome. Just move faster. So I think that's a big difference. But where AC is going in IBC, like IBC has proven that one year of like token transfers and the whole tokens and connecting bridges, and IBC bridges holding up while the ETH bridges keep falling over, like I think is proven Cosmos idea. But IBC, is, it's a baby, dude. Interesting accounts is trying to come out there. Interesting security, interesting queries. Um, those are the beginning generic protocols. We have hundreds of protocols that go off and riff on those on other, you know, if you want to talk to me on this, but we need a whole podcast just on this one. But like, I think um, IBC, the future is IBC and multi-chain and going beyond where everything is porting from, from Ethereum, like I'll, I'll play the same app in three chains, but actually having like parts of your, have one application architected uses parts of different chains, right? Like maybe it has part of its, uh, you know, it's handling like a liquidity pool that's like, uh, um, on osmosis, which is um, using the de- like auto liquidating on the decks, right? And you have another piece, it's like um, li- liquidity uh, staking derivatives it launched on Juno. Another piece is like secret voting launched on secret network, right? And you kind of architect this way. And you can you can build something like that and say, okay, now it's connect these pieces together and actually don't just have people manage them, but this this app on one chain, the app and the chain are talk to each other in a special way. So I think actually architect this out is is very like the next step. Um, and along with that, that's just technically, but I think really what needs to happen in Cosmos is, is users. Um, the devs are there. A lot of devs are here. But like, I think it's the unification. I see IBC start to IBC because IBC means people coming together. It means not like silo one, silo two, and silo three fighting, but like silo one, silo two, silo three coming together in one larger group. It means sharing users, sharing devs, sharing mindshare, right? Um, and that's how, like, you know, no zone is going to compete with Ethereum, but 40 zones working together, collaborating. You know, it's like the fucking Voltron, right? So I think that's where the future of uh, future this is. So, you know, getting more users and really collaborating and breaking these, like, different silo chains, not just move my money into my chain, on your chain, but, like, really collaborate and have these applications that are really, truly cross-chain. Um, and with that, 
pull in a huge new cl- uh, group of users. That makes sense. Um, something, something I think I've, I've, I think I've obviously talked on the podcast about before, but also I think I think I've talked to you about Ethan as well. Is that I'm personally pretty excited about um, Penumbra, and I think like not only because of their model, not only because of all the stuff they're doing with zk and everything, but also because they're an IBC zone that's not using the SDK. So it's like it's beginning to fulfill the app chain thesis outside of people building with a monolithic stack, which I think is really interesting as well. Like again, for bringing in other cohorts of users from radically different use cases. Totally, totally. I think it's a really cool product to build I'd love to see it actually. They push things in different ways. It's awesome to see that. Um, them push things. It forces the stack to actually become multi-chain. Like not just um, cosmo- multiple cosmos decays, but like really multi-chain. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I'd love to see, uh, well, I, I don't, actually, I don't think I would love to see a Rust SDK, but I would like to see libraries available for, because there's obviously the IBC Rust library. It would be great to, ha- I, I've, I've already bugged Ethan about this, like how, what would need to happen to have a, an IBC, uh, a Cosmos and Rust. Um, fine. I'd love to see that. But um, Ethan, Windau, would you like to just talk about Windau for a little bit before... No, I'd love to. You usurper rugs you off of the show. <laughs> I'd love to. Before I get pulled off the, the stage, i love to riff on Windows. So, uh, yeah, Windows maybe why I'm not building Rust SDK. <laughs> it's like I've built infrastructure for five and a half years and I want to build something that felt meaningful, like a product that felt meaningful. Um, so I was watching DeFi, study all the DeFi stuff, didn't jump in the fray back in the bull market, didn't want to launch something. And Win for me is really something close to my heart. It's like I'm trying to build a meaningful product that actually fits the markets. And it falls into this like multi-chain application thesis I was telling you about, like actually connecting all the chains and building something that's like bigger than some of the parts, that kind of feeling and technical and also trying to build, build bring community together across chain. So Window, first of all, Window is right now we have a token on Juno and the DAO is coming live very soon. It's like a, a very customized DAO DAO application. It's coming live just to know what it is. And that DAO, which uh, if you were Juno or Osmo staker, you hopefully got your airdrop. In region stakers, we dropped a whole bunch of tokens. There's another round coming soon, but um, but it's coming out. Basically, it's on there. We are now launching uh, protocols, DeFi protocols cross chain, on multiple chains. The idea, and all controlled by one governance token. Not like everyone makes their own governance token or legal structure. We just have one one thing. Come in this, join the window, and we launch lots of DeFi protocols. So one coming soon is staking derivatives on Juno. This should be here within two months. So we want to have the native and not have to like send your tokens to another chain, just need it on Juno. We can replicate uh, other ones. There's some uh, some nice bonuses on this thing, but you know, whatever, it's another staking derivative. We want to add other things like stable coins, lending protocols, et cetera, et cetera, Oracle services. Um, we're working all these pieces in design stage. The idea is to run out a whole bunch of ones on different chains and then figure out how to, how to like connect them cross chain to build a DeFi ecosystem and collaborate with other projects and once you get other projects out there, once you have one DAO, it's really the DAO, about the DAO, not about the protocol. You can have a DAO, another DAO merge, swap. Uh, what does it mean to have like, you know, protocols connecting out some moving tokens, actually interacting in deeper ways? So I really want to experiment with that. Like experiment with having one DAO control projects on multiple chains directly um, and see it bring a huge revenue into that. And also figure how you can merge DAOs, how you can do like your know, token swaps between DAOs uh, and joint partnerships between DAOs. Uh, because that's, you know, a DAO, that's also DAO DAO's 
model isn't it uh yep. you know being, being on multiple chains doing token swaps when necessary that sort of stuff so again like you say these these applications that are coming along that don't have one just one home chain i'm super stuck in dowdo like dowdo is kind of like things i wish i'd been had time to build and then i found you guys are building this stuff like it's awesome it's like the very same philosophy i've had about governance and like you guys are building this stuff. awesome thank you uh, like, like i built i built cw3 and cb4 back in like late 2020 hoping someone would take it like a year later, I found like this Dada UI. I'm like, oh my God, they're actually doing it. So that's super awesome. Um, so yeah, Pupmos, wind not related to trees. Wind is also trees. So beyond building this technical DeFi protocol, what we're doing is, so I didn't want to build, build like the cool IBC DeFi stuff. I want to do something with DeFi. Like I came in to pre money. I wanted to build something better money, more meaningful money that represents values rather than just, you know, just money to buy something. So what... I was trying to do that lots of ways. What we're doing in wind is taking 25% of all revenue from the protocol and donating it to the environment. It'll be a special And that will be like a committee appointed to pick projects and dedicate it to things. And whether it's clean ocean plastics or planting trees or investing in future tech, trying to green deserts and uh, do crazy, you know, moonshot environmental stuff, everything for environmental good basically is all, um, oh man. Everything for that is all going to be funded by this. So whatever the DAO wants to vote on is open. So at the same time, it'll be extending DeFi protocols on multiple chains. It's pushing Cosmos and IBC to limits. And, you know, being a big DAO DAO is based on DAO DAO. Um, it's also take the profits of that, a lot of that, so you can basically help the planet and uh, make money at the same time. Okay. Who, wow. I don't know who did the rugging there, but that was very efficient. <laughs> um, for those of you listening at home, uh, that was Ethan, uh, father of Cosm Wasm, Ethan Frey, the other Frey, the OG Frey. Um, hopefully that was an interesting talk. I think I learned a lot. My head hurts a little bit. Um, maybe we should invite Ethan back. Uh, <laughs> Ask some more questions. Well, I right like now? We, we, got, we got like three <laughs> questions. We had like six questions on the list just as like, Here's some quest- obvious questions to ask, and we got like halfway down them. So, right, uh, and and yeah, I, I even got to get out. I, I even had an opportunity to get out a guitar at one point. So, we did, if that's not a good conversation, I don't know what is. Uh, again, if you're listening back on a podcast player, you might have missed that bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were guitars earlier. So, um, yeah, um, the. What would you want to? What do you want to cover off first? Do you want to do follow up? So let's 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 kick off with our follow up questions, housekeeping, and that usually just leads into the bullshit anyway, right? <laughs> sure, true enough. <laughs> you got to talk so, about your. Uh, you have to talk about your your gaming nodes uh, Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, okay. what you call so, it? So oh. Ethan was kind of like uh, <laughs> referring to, uh, to this a little bit earlier. So. We put on a poll, which about seven or eight people answered. No, it had it had some decent amount of answering. So Ethan was talking about, um, you know, people the people want to see the DPS. So he was trying to segue into some DPS. But Ethan, that's that's not the main show, mate. The DPS is after probably. I mean, he's mate, you might want to come back for the DPS. But, but <laughs> the problem is, if we he's still here, but the problem is if we bring him up, you fuckers are just going to ask him about it's you know dev shit. So. I don't know. <laughs> the format's the format. No, stop complaining. Stop, stop showing how the stop showing how the sausage is made. You just. Oh my goodness! It's so anyway, we uh, we did a uh, we did a poll on the Twitter, and 
for fuck's sake, like, just follow us if you don't, because we're like On six Twitter. months into this thing, and although we don't market, we shouldn't have to, all right? It's a fucking awesome <laughs> show. And we we only just cracked a thousand followers. I put out a tweet that we're almost at a thousand followers. And I fucking someone left. We were at 998. <laughs> and then someone rolled back to 997. Fuck, Fuck you. So, maybe that was me. Was that me? Or, or Australian cult movies. Maybe that was me. I, I was, the other day, I was like looking for some more people to follow, right? Because I like to like, you know, follow people in the eco. But the problem is that I don't want the following to change from 69. So, Every time I go and follow someone, I have to like go through the list and unfollow someone. So if you've been unfollowed from Game of Nodes lately, you didn't miss the cut. Maybe we should just bang it up to 420 or something like that. Keep with the cult number. And- Are there 420 you- interesting people in the eco? Jeez, Mate, just start hard. clicking follow. Like, you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the poll. So we we did a poll and we were just I was I was just probing for what like you know, what people appreciate in the show. But now I think the poll is just more of a meme because I don't think we actually got the answer that is the real answer because we've had more uh, people watching today than what we ever have had previously, right? So, like on the live show. So, obviously, people want to see devs, but in our bloody poll, the options were DPS slash shit talk, validator talk, my ignorance of movies, and dev guests, and they were voted pretty much in that order in a lineal type thing. So, I mean, people appreciate the shit talk above the dev talk, apparently. But I think that's bullshit because Ethan came on and people showed up for it. So, well, it could also be that the Twitter poll made people believe that there'd be more drama than there actually was. So, really, it was it was false advertisement, really. Well, I mean, that, that's entirely true. So we've really just rugged people from the poll. They've gone, well, you know, we're going to have more DPS now because that's what you fucking want. But posts. Well, to, I mean, to be <laughs> to be more scientific, your question was, what's your favorite part? So people showed up. People showing up doesn't mean it's their favorite. We're, we're not good at dev interviews. So like we do okay with it, but we usually get off rails and everything else. So the question was, what's your favorite part? And the favorite part is us doing this but doesn't mean doesn't necessarily mean that drives more viewers (laughs) so so i feel like on the dev side of things i feel like we don't really invite people in here to interview them about their thing right so like if we have true you know when we've had people on in the past like shane and and you know other other people right devs we haven't really like resolved to be like all right we're going to talk about your thing and and, you know, we want to know everything about the thing and chill your thing. It's more like, you know, we just get on and have a chat. And I think that's, like, better for us because, you know, there's other people that do that to, like, shill people's projects. I just like to talk to the devs and, and you know, pick their brain about shit that's been floating around for a while. Well, I think that's the funny part about it is almost every single time we have people on and, like, you, you, you watch them, right? In the first five minutes, we're just talking shit and then 10 minutes rolls by and then 15 minutes and they're like are we gonna get like so hit with questions or what's happening here and then we're like oh we should probably like bring our guests in for conversation and then we just have a conversation with them rather than like come up with questions as they're prepared for so i think it benefits us to some extent 
Yeah. And sometimes we're just trying to figure out what the thing is. Like I thought like last week with the skip team, that was really good. We, we talked a lot about skip and met and MEV just cause we were also learning, which I thought was cool. And the same thing back uh, when we talked about, with, with like the graph protocol and things like that, cause there was a bunch of things that haven't happened, but Ethan, like, I mean, like he's the godfather of Wasm, right? So that was less about trying to understand it and more just trying to understand who he is, which I think is also not bad. Uh, I can't, I can't gonna, get, uh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, sir. No, I was going to say, I can't get past this haircut. I'm, it's just like bobbing around and it's, it's like, it's, it keeps touching the tying up there. It's, it's really sharp. He's not listening. He's not even listening. He's I'm going to just, I, I'm just going <laughs> def- to defend us here and say, I think actually like our, our interviews have been getting better over time. Like I think particularly with Skip and stuff, it's about like, um, so one of the many things I do for money is I actually interview bands for, for a living and I've done it for nearly 15 years. Um, so doxed, but I, I spent, you know, the first portion of time I was doing that with like, here is my list of questions. The questions are all worked out ahead in advance, you know, no deviation, blah, 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 blah. And you don't get as good answers as when you have some topic areas. If you have like really specific things you want to know, like, you know, w- with Ethan, for example, like what's your background? That's a, that's an interesting thing. Like, are mm-hmm. is somebody a low level dev that, you know, uh, were they a CS professor or something, you know, like it, it, in this space, you really never know, especially with people doing low level work. So, you know, that's a point where you're like, okay, that's a really specific question we want to know about. But then like, you know, the rest of it, you can kind of let it, flow to some extent and just sort of guide it around when somebody gets to an area where they're sort of adjacent to something you might want to talk about like the contracts thing you can kind of push them in the direction of saying oh it's interesting you said that because i'm interested to hear what you have to say about twasm let's say um and and organically that's what i found gets better responses um on the whole is having a set of topic areas that you can or can't use Maybe you don't get to all of them, but if you see like an opportunity to guide the conversation, then then it's quite often good to just like push your guest into having a little bit more focus, like just something to kind of in their head to riff off of. I think because I think that's the difficulty when you're you feel like you're on the spot as somebody talking. You, it. I mean, obviously, I would always do this anyway because I'm very bad at staying on topic. But I imagine it's also the case that you're having to fill space. And it helps to have like somebody sort of guiding you onto, um, uh, you know, sort of facilitating yeah. the conversation, if you like. I think that's a fair take. I think more of what I was trying to say was, if you look at other interviews that happen, I think that I think the, the, the question of interview or the same of interview is really the, the key um, value we're trying to define here, right? The keyword we're trying to define. And I don't think that our cell is that we're trying to interview. We're trying to facilitate facilitate the conversation. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I mean, it's, but I think that that is, I, you know, <laughs> pipe up in the comments, but I think like how this, we, you know, we joke about how this started was this is just nulled weekly harassment call made into a podcast. But I think it's also expanded out into like, you know, I think we're naturally kind of quite curious about the space we work in. So why not invite people into the tent? you know, to shoot the shit. Yeah. And and because we have, you know, we're as curious as anybody else. And, y- you know, it should be pretty obvious by now. We don't fucking know anything. So there's also, 
that should, that should be a tagline. So, <laughs> for some context around that, like the our treehouse, right? So, um, back back when I started in what we're saying, like Gen- February, March last year, right in in twenty one, like I didn't know much, and I just used to harass people on text, and then just call them out of the blue, and then have like a three hour conversation with you know one of the devs of a, a chain or something, and. And then I come across this Motley crew and then, you know, I would just call the fray on a Saturday morning or my Saturday morning was like his Friday night and chat for like two hours or something while I was getting extra hot coffee for my parents or something like that. And it was just a thing I used to, I just used to call people because, you know, I'm not the best typer and, uh, you know, annoy the shit out of people. And, and graciously they would talk to me. I don't know whether they wanted to or not, but, had some very long productive conversations i learned lots of shit and so at some point yeah like like the phrase says we just decided well fuck it let's just live stream that and uh call it some sort of show (laughs) and i don't know it kind of feels i don't know if like we should add a format to it but i think it's worth it to try because whilst um you know there's the spirit of the show, but then there's also like, I want people to watch it because we talk about some interesting shit and, you know, whether that's useful to users or other validators or, you know, even bringing people into um, the ecosystem just through shit talk. I mean, I think that's kind of important in itself. So I think we can kill two birds with one stone, but I don't, you know, if it, if it gets to a point where it's just this formatted thing and we're like, you know, ticking boxes, I think that might become a bit of bullshit and we might just have to go back to, to how we do it. But if it works and, and we can get some good conversation out of people um, and before we rug them, then I think that's worth it. I guess you're getting two rugs for the price of one per episode as well with the new format, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe yeah. now we'll go, okay, thanks for coming. Uh, please delegate to us and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> I don't like that. Rugging guests is a little bit much. I think it's, it's nice. Okay, thanks. And then we could rug each other. I, That's probably I, better. I, I, I kind of liked how uh, spicy that was back then. So, <laughs> yeah. sentence. I, I think that's I think that's kind of cool because I, the flip side of this right is that we also choose our guests. We don't have people on that don't have a sense of humor as well. Um, so we got we got Larry um, next week as well, who maybe doesn't know they're going to get rugged, but <laughs> I think we'd take it with a plum, and I think most of our previous guests would as well. Um, I think I think we've we already got people in the chat that are very keen about the rugging. Is this, you know, if you'd had the right, rugging on your poll, I think the rugging would have been the <laughs> the number one thing. Yeah, well, that's um, my, my favorite so, thing about the rugging is when people talk about it on Twitter. Like, it's a very niche group of people that, that reference it on Twitter, but when then random people see that and they're like, "Oh my god, which project rugged you?" and it causes some <laughs> people to freak out, and it's like, it's like they're, Game of they're talking about a podcast with a bunch of validators. It's 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 totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's I, it is it kind of hurts a little bit to me that we don't get the viewership of other things. I mean, does, like it, I say, does it hurt you? I, I don't. I, think, I lay awake at night thinking, just why won't people watch us? Are we that well, ugly? I got a haircut. Well, maybe if we, we spent we one have... second on marketing. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> maybe if also, we did one thing. 
I don't hey, think I our content an obligatory weekly fucking post. <laughs> well, but our content isn't related. So I think this is back to you know to tie it back to the guest we had on today. Ethan made a very good point about users, right? Which is that we need more users in the ecosystem. We need more. You know, we we have enough devs. We we don't have enough devs. We need more devs, but we also need more users, and we need users, not investors. Which is the thing that I, I I've said numerous times. I think in our private chat, um, I I know Schultz and I were having this conversation like literally last week, where it's like until the amount you make you can make from just like buying Atom and sitting on it from five years goes down, then you're not going to have users you're only going to have investors and that's i think the thing we i don't think any of us have any interest in that for the podcast and that's where the numbers are right now you know ironically this is the place where users should come for their fucking alpha because well yeah we know more shit than the regular people right we know we're involved with all of the upcoming projects We've got access to all of this. We off, we, off, we just talk to them and ask them questions that isn't public knowledge and then probably just... Yeah, but is there any connection yeah. between good project and, and money? There really isn't. Like, it's all yeah. animal spirits. I think Putmos mentioned John, mentioned John Maynard Keynes in the, in the chat earlier. So, you know, animal spirits, animal spirits, that's all there is. <laughs> well, um, I think that it's also like the time we started is significant, right? Like we started basically with Prop 16, and there's been a, a mass exodus of users ever since, right? And we were here before I mean, Prop 16. Fuck me. No, I know, <laughs> but that was like episode like four, right? So we kind of started in that time when there was the exodus. And if you look at YouTube crypto YouTubers right now, a lot of them have actually just kind of like segued into just general news broadcasts, like Coin Bureau. Coin Bureau does a lot of just kind of general news things right now whatever he was all about just looking into things or looking into cryptocurrencies and whatever. So I think that it's just kind of a weird time in general. Um, and then, yeah, of course we could probably do some more marketing <laughs> and we could tell more people. Yeah. Fuck news. <laughs> <laughs> number two, number two on your poll was validator talk, which we honestly, we've been kind of ignoring a little bit. Like we should be bitching more about, <laughs> about operations and some of these, I, some of yeah. these alpha chains we were just talking about because, I mean, well, I think there's a, a hugely, sorry, the, the, there is like a hugely, so Usurper and I have been working on, are we are we allowed to talk about this, Usurper Schultze? About what? About, I don't about, think we're allowed we can, to talk about. We can say what network, and we've been on a test net, right? That we've been cheating a little bit? Is that what you mean? <laughs> we, no, but we but we can just say, we can just say like, we've been doing some stuff for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a yeah. test net on Aptos, right? Yeah. And that has been, I think that has absorbed all of my validator brain for the last four weeks. So I've been doing, uh, I've been doing actually quite a bit of routine maintenance on nodes. Um, we've been doing a bunch of stuff in our AWS account. Um, but that has been very interesting. And I think because we, we don't, we only cover the cosmos, we, I think maybe haven't been talking about validator stuff because I, I think at least for the three of us, we've been kind of very, very focused on how insanely different that is yeah. and trying to get our head around that. And then you kind of come back to Cosmos nodes when you have to do stuff and you're like, ah, how simple, how excellent. I just have to do all of the things that I know how to how do. How manageable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. doing the uni stuff this week. Like, So we're, we're, we're Juno V10 coming very soon. 
um, look out for a gov prop on a chain near you, probably in the next uh, 10 days, uh, maybe even sooner. Um, and that's been like really like just coming back to that and going like, oh yeah, all the node ops I can literally do blindfolded uh, has been really, th- th- I think that's the difference there, isn't it? Because we talked about Kajira and stuff where there are, there are now chains that have oracles and whatnot that you have to run that being a validator <laughs> is getting more complicated on some chains, but sure. For some others, it is still just a case of maintaining high uptime, maintaining a good quality node, rotating things out. You know. I think there's there's been a lot more stalls, and that that stalls for non-experienced. I mean, honestly, we, we talked about how long some of us have been. This has been under two years, right? So, so oh, I, I have had a lot of stalls lately. Yeah. Even, yeah, and so and with the with that happening, and you have a lack of experience or just people moving too quick or whatever else. I mean, we've seen the number of like the number of tombstones have been gone like crazy. Um, I think that happened like once I remember in 2021, I don't remember. I remember that one or two times. And now it seems like there's like, ah, yeah, somebody got tombstone last night or something else. Yeah, it was like one on the hub. On wasn't that in like the entire year? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then when you have like block Damon doing two on Evmos and then on the test nets, you've seen them all the time. And then there was 19 on the same test net or something like that. That's like a parade. Uh, so anyway, I think, I mean, there's still some interesting there because I, you know, we talked about this before, but the number of validators and people getting involved is, is way up but the chains are pushing uh, a lot of change. And so that might create stalls and issues. And then you have kind of like this gap between how fast we're moving and maybe the common understanding of what's going on in some of these situations, if they're just running a single node and not, you know, using some sort of off machine signer or something like that. So yeah, it's good times. And speaking of shitty chains that are changing, uh, the merge is tonight, right? Have you guys? Has anybody running? We I was going to say those. somebody was asking tonight? me earlier. Just what do you think of the merge? Because they knew I worked in crypto, and it's like, yeah, I only well, hold it, a couple of ETH, so I, I guess if it makes if chain go burr and I make some money, I'm happy. It's yeah, I'm like, who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> we do. I think Schultz and I, we run some geth. We both run some geth notes for some. I know you run them for um, uh, Sommelier and Gravity and Umi. That's right. Yeah. So which all, which require that bridge type of structure. And so that, that it was supposed to be like now it was, I think it was scheduled. I remember it was a great time. It was like 7 PM or 8 PM tonight or something like that. And now it's scheduled at 5 AM UTC. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure how much I'm so saying when I wake that. up tomorrow morning to go to London, basically. Yeah. It's going <laughs> to happen around there. And and the hash rates going to shit because I'm not sure why the hash rates going on. on. That's on like, train people turning things off or something. I don't know what that means, but if it's that simple, but the hash rates going to hell, which means it just keeps, so I hope it keeps going down. Cause then it could push out to maybe the morning. That'd be great. Well, I mean, I imagine, I, th- I think the idea is there are a bunch of miners that are having an exodus, right? They're yeah. saying piss off. I'm going to, what's it called? Proof of work. Eats now. It's like Cowie or something like that. Yeah. And so there's quite literally being an exodus of, of energy then, which is changing, slowing things down. And then, of course, um, is from what's it called the the death mark or whatever. How ETH created a, a, a point where they had to improve his stake, or else the rewards would be so low that miners would have shut down anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, have they? Have they? Um, did they just fork it into Power ETH? That's that's their plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then then like it's interesting on ETH side because we you have to run a. Uh, it's a beacon node. Um, so since it's moving to POS, and I guess since there will be the possibility of a tremendous number of forks of the chain, that now there's these beacon nodes that are, I think, helping 
the actual consensus node, figure out, hey, this is the one that you're following. <laughs> like follow this one uh, to try to get past the merge. Because I think it's yeah, the I think I think that's the way I understand it. But I think the idea is that it's pretty easy for this to fork um, into a uh, a bunch of smaller chains and and get some issues going on here. So so all that's running. Um, but yeah, looks like five a.m. or some shit. To bring it back to the cosmos, yeah. um, there's actually already a proposal connecting proof of stake ETH to IBC out using uh, CK Snarks. Nice. So that's pretty cool. I just tweeted about it um, yesterday. Uh, Jack Samplin is on the advisory board for it, my understanding. That's good stuff. Which makes me curious about what what does this mean for, for Gravity or Axelar? But right, because suddenly they kind of are relevant. If there's if IBC is already connecting, then why why do those need to exist anymore? Right. Yeah. Why do you why do you need that kind of a little bit clunky bridge structure, right, with uh, intermediate wallets and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, I guess you don't. If if uh, if ETH connects, then simulated bridges, right? If it works out, yeah. I mean, I, I for one am for that. I like. I, I hate to say, you know, let's unemploy or at least. I mean, I, I, the idea would be gravity. Justin from gravity would go do something else and call them what have you. But it is kind of it is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, down with bridges. Yeah. Um, so it's an unfortunate I, reality of a chain going away for the greater good. I guess. I actually have a question for everybody um, with regards to like, you know, stablecoin, right? So there needs to be. I think there needs to be a stable coin that is not a fucking algorithmic stable coin, like a proper, you know, centralized dollar backed um, stable coin in the cosmos at some point. Right. So, um, you know, nothing against the, the, uh, you know, algorithmic stable coins, but really the only one that is really pegged to a US dollar is the ones that are actually backed by a US dollar. Mm -hmm. That said, do you guys think that it should be a CW20 or an IBC token with its own chain? 